I want to welcome uh, one of my uh, dearest friends, Pastor Joshua Rivas. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling like I should probably put you in my fave five now. I'm going to do that today. No, I... I honestly, um, I think one of the things that I, that I most love about this house is that we are a family. And, um, you know, getting to work with your friends is a good program, isn't it? Thank you, Jesus. Can we just take a minute? I want to start with prayer, and we're going we're gonna to jump right in. So, uh, so however it is that you pray, we're going to do that right now. Father, I want to thank you because you are a dad. Um, you came, and you reconciled us back to yourself. And today... I want every one of us to come away having taken a step closer to you. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would shoot power down as I speak your word and that it would resonate in the hearts of these sons and daughters. Lord, that each one of us would come away closer to you, more like you, more aware of who you are. I'm trusting that you're gonna do that today, Lord. I thank you and I honor these brothers and sisters, these sons and daughters that have gathered today, Lord, that they're willing to receive a message, Father, even through me. I just humble myself, Lord, and I ask that the word that comes through would come from you. Thank you for giving me the honor of letting me add my accent to your great news. Amen. We're going to start out in uh, Matthew 18, and I'm going to read through, I'm going to share a couple of thoughts, and then I'm actually going to preach at the end of this, so we're going to just read through the whole thing, but it's it's an important backdrop um, for what we're going to talk about. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, assuredly, I say to you. Unless you're converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. I love it. They came to Jesus and said, hey, we like your kingdom. Who's the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus didn't say, hey, it's not a competition, we don't keep score, or what are you doing asking me a question like that? No, not at all. He said, great question. Great, that is a fantastic question. You should be wondering who the greatest in the kingdom is. I'm not even upset that you're asking that question. In fact, let me tell you who the greatest in the kingdom is. The greatest in the kingdom is someone who will humble themselves. Let's pray, we're done. (laughs) Whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of offenses, for offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offenses come. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet and to be cast into the everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. 
It's better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Now it's interesting because you can tell that Jesus is starting to change a little bit here because the kid that he's holding in his lap is not lost. Are you catching that? It wasn't like this kid ran up and it's like, hey, an orphan, I think I'll grab an orphan. No, these were their kids that were running around, and he says, hey, you must become like these. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? One of these. But then he's starting to change the narrative a little bit, and he says, I didn't come, I'm going to, let me come up and quote him correctly, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. What do you think? If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? Am I a little bit loud on you guys' ears? I feel kind of loud. I'm okay? All right. I don't want to be beaten down on you. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, does he not leave the 99 and go to the mountains to seek the one that is straying? And if he should find it, assuredly I say to you, he rejoices more over that one sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. It's not his will that a single one would perish. He cares about every single one. Moreover, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you've gained your brother. But if he will not hear, then take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Now, I want to just take a moment and say, he didn't say so that you can take and present your case so it's three on one. No, they're helping to mediate. They're showing up because you and your brother couldn't work it out on your own, so you're bringing an objective person who can say to you or to them, hey, I, actually, I, I think you're hearing that wrong. When, when Joshua said this, he didn't mean he thought you were a big, fat jerk face. What he meant was he got his her feelings really hurt, and they go, oh, oh, I kept hearing big, fat jerk face. So then you can establish the matter by two or three witnesses. You catch that? That's not even the sermon. That was just free. And if he refuses to hear that, then tell it to the whole church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. Who did Jesus eat food with that he got in so much trouble with the Pharisees for? Heathens and tax collectors. Food for thought. I'm just going to leave that one right there. Now, assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Okay, now I'm going to summarize that real quick. They show up and they say, Jesus, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus goes, that is a fantastic and totally legal question. I want you to be considering how you can be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Most of us would be like, hey, keep your head down. What is wrong with you? So proud, trying to get ahead in the kingdom of heaven. No, he was like, good job. I want you to get ahead in the kingdom of heaven. That's a fantastic question. And let me tell you how. Humble yourself like a child. Be teachable and humble. And then he immediately takes another turn and he says, woe to those through whom offenses come and woe to you if you get offended. Right? 
So humble yourself like a little child. You want to be great in the kingdom of heaven? Humble yourself like a little child, and then don't get offended. Are you with me so far? And then he goes on one more step that we just finished, and he says this, because if any two agree in my name, I'll do it. My Father's name, I'll do it. How are these connected? We're extending the kingdom of heaven. He wants us to be the greatest in extending the kingdom of heaven. The way that you can continue to do that is to stay, what's the word? Humble. You guys tracking so far? You're so quiet and beautiful. So, so, so Peter gets it. Peter gets it. I love Peter. You guys know that Peter, if, whenever you're reading in the Word and you think, I wonder what Joshua Rivas is really like, just anything Peter has done, that's like an inside track of how I work. Yes, Lord, I'll do it all, every bit of it. Oh, Lord, I only made it halfway and I'm out of energy. <laughs> okay. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Now, I want you to know this, that seven, the, the number seven is completion. And, and within the Jewish culture, they understood that. The, the number seven is important. Numbers are important. It's a part of the language um, of, of Israel, of, of the Jews, and they understand that. So he's coming and he's saying, should I forgive him up to seven times, the complete amount of times, seven? And then Jesus says, he says to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. In other words, completion times complete, complete pleats a lot. Infinity plus one times one, times infinity. In other words, the complete, complete total amount of times. So Peter's going, good night. You know, Peter was all, he was pushing. He wants to, I love Peter. He wants to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He's the first one to ask it. So therefore, the kingdom of heaven. So this is, this is it. He says, not Seven times, not the complete amount that you think, Peter, but the complete amount that I think. Seventy times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, I want to break that number down for you. 10,000 talents. So what that is is a denarii, a denarii, we'll read about that in a second, is one day's wages. I'm going to inflation-proof this for you. So one day's wages. What's the most expensive thing we have? Time. Gas. But, uh, well, <laughs> you get a point for effort right there. But we, it's time. Time is the one thing that we all have the, the equal amount of and how we invest it. It's the most valuable thing we have. So Jesus says this, so a denarii is one day's wages. It's one day's worth of work. It's your time for one day. Right? Does that feel pretty good? 10,000 talents is the equivalent of 60 million days wages. And I went and researched it because I got called out on this the other day. I misquoted it. So I went and checked. And I like the way this is better. This is a good explanation. 60 million days. That's very expensive. Keep that in mind as we read this. So when he begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 60 million days wages. But as he was not able to pay, <laughs> his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. So in other words, you owe me even more than your own life, so I'm going to have to take your family's life too with it. Are you catching this? And the servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. 
which is unbelievable. Just, anyway, just based on that statement, it says, then the master of that servant was moved with compassion. I think not based on how much he owed, but on that stupid answer right there. And he, and he loved him. He was a good master. That was probably the key thing. Sorry, Lord. All right. <laughs> so really, he was a lot better than me, I'll tell you that. So the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the 60 million days wages that he owed him. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, 100 days wages. And he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Now this guy could actually pay him back. He just needed 100 days. Unbelievable. Anyway, I lost my place. Getting upset, right? I got to forgive this guy. And thank you. You guys are paying attention. I'm not, apparently. And he would not. But he went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. And when it's, which is amazing, throw you in prison to pay a debt. How does that work out? You're making like 25 cents a day grinding grain in prison. Okay. Anyway. So... When his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved, and they came and told their master all that had been done. And then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all your debt. I forgave you 60 million days worth of labor. I forgave all of it because you begged me, not because you could pay me back, not because you're a good person, but you simply begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry, and he delivered him to the torturers, say torturers, until he should pay all that was due to him. Okay? This guy got turned over to pay back 60 million days worth of labor by being tortured. I don't know how much a pound of flesh is worth, But that does not sound like a good program. And so my heavenly Father also will do to each of you if you... So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. God, how do I become the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Become like this child. Humble yourself. Don't carry offenses. Well, Lord, how many times should I forgive my neighbor? As many as it takes until they're forgiven. You guys tracking? I want to tell you a story, and, and I'm going to bring my life into this, and I, I, have to, I have to get an agreement from you in order to tell this story. So this is, this, you're my family, and... Um, and as I was preparing to tell the story, I realized that I couldn't tell this story unless I got you to promise me something before I could tell the story. Because I have actually walked through forgiveness in this situation. And I realized that as I shared this story, that you might get offended and you might treat somebody that I love very, very dearly with contempt in your heart because of the things that they were forgiven. And I can't, and I will not, I'm asking you not to do that because I love the person. 
Is that making sense? And so what I need you to do is I need you to agree ahead of time that you'd be willing to forgive 70 times 7. And that you'll, I'm asking you please to hold this person in honor like I hold them in honor. Because they come and visit and when they do it blesses my heart. Because they've been restored completely to my heart. And, and I'm going to tell this story, and I need you to keep holding them in honor. If anything, just because you love me. Can you, could you extend that? Yeah. All right. So, how do I start? <laughs> when, I was, um, when I first moved to, uh, to Eugene, uh, I married my beautiful wife, and... Uh, I married my beautiful wife, and after we'd been married for a year, my dad left my mom, and he left her at home with eight kids, right? Eight? Seven. Okay, there you go. It's easier to forgive now. So he, he left her at home. Here, I was working that extra hard thinking it was eight. Would have been way easier if I'd have known it was seven. Left my mom at home with seven kids, and, uh, and, and I was furious. And um, every time that I would talk to my dad, I'd get on the phone with him, and I'd just end up yelling at him. We'd, you know, hey, son, how's it going? I would tell my wife, I want to send him a Father's card, but the, or Father's Day card on Father's Day, but there aren't any, hey, you left my mom home with seven kids, thanks for creating me at some point, go home. <laughs> That's a true story, it's not funny, it's just true. And, um, and so I was furious, and I just, I just, I just, I, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to be able to be at peace with my dad, but all I could do every time that I talked with him is, is demand that he go home, demand that he go take care of my mom, go take care of my mom, pay me what you owe me. You know, I, God created me to have a dad and a mom. God created us all to have dads and moms, you know, right? I mean, that was his design. And my dad should take care of my mom, and he should take care of my little brothers and sisters. That's not unreasonable for me to want that. And so whenever I would talk with him on the phone, all I could think about was the debt that he owed, the sin that was against my mother and against my brothers and sisters. And then, and then finally, about, for me, I didn't take it as... As, in, as personally like that he had left me, because actually he, he did the best that he could with me, but he left after I moved out. So I'm like, you're jacking my brothers and sisters. They deserve to have a father. They need you. Go give them what they need. And, and so every time that I would talk to him, I would kind of purpose in my heart, like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to convince my dad this time to go home. And so I would get on the phone. I'd be like, how's it going, dad? Pretty good, sweet. So when are you going to go home? And I would end up yelling at him on the phone to pull his head out and go home. And so we just, every time that we would see each other, it was not good. It wasn't, wasn't good. And I, and I pretty much just wouldn't see him. And so time goes on. And um, I'm getting ready to, uh, to see my dad. I'm going to be going to, to California where he was living at the time, Southern California. And I was on my way there. And uh, I was getting ready to leave. And my little daughter uh, at the time, little Mercy, she's like three. And, um, and she comes up 
and Karen says, hey, your daddy's going to go and see his daddy. And it's always really hard for him when he sees his daddy. So let's just pray. We're just going to pray for your daddy, Mercy, uh, when he sees his daddy so that it'll be okay. And so Autumn, or Mercy comes up and she grabs my leg, you know, gets the little, you, don't you love it? For, man, come on, grabs the, the tugs, the pants. You're like, that's like, yes, all is well. So she tugged the britches right there and, and she says, Lord, I just pray for my daddy that he would be kind and be kind and be kind and be kind and be kind. <laughs> Amen. And you know what? It was like, I just spit. I probably spit then too. And, and something, something happened that day, <laughs> you know? And, and something clicked in that moment. And I realized that I could forgive my dad. Now, and that's what I want to talk about today. You see, what I thought with my dad is that if I began to treat him with kindness, then he would think that I'm endorsing what he's doing right now. And so I couldn't, with intellectual integrity, start treating my father with respect and honor because he wasn't living in a way that was respectful and honoring in this particular area of his life. And, and so it wasn't that I didn't want to forgive my dad. I was already practicing as best as I could to forgive my dad, but I just couldn't follow through with it because I'm like, well, listen, if I start treating you like the man that you should, like if I start treating you like you would deserve to be treated if you were doing the things that you should be doing, then you're gonna think that you can keep doing the wrong things and still get respect and honor. And how have you learned anything then? Right? Because of course it's our job to raise our parents. I mean, we all know this. So... But I just couldn't. I couldn't do it because I'm like, no, you're totally dishonoring my mom and disrespecting her, and you're, you're not caring for your children. So if I treat you with respect and honor, you're just going to learn that everything's fine. It's just sloppy goppy. It's just grace, you know, big old grace mess. Like, oh, well, it's all good. Kids will raise themselves. They don't need a dad. Psh, those are overrated. It's fine. No, I'm like, this is horrible. And so, so I had this this huge blockade because how can I honor someone who is still actively outside of paying somebody what they owe, right? How can I forgive this debt and then, and then pay you what I owe you? I mean, the Bible says, honor your mother and father. It's the first commandment with promise that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land, which means that when you don't honor your mother and father, you get the exact opposite. It does not go well with you. You do not live long in the land. Did you get that? There isn't an alternate path to honoring your mother and father or honoring anyone for that matter. Jesus honored us by sending his own body. He came in his own body. The father honored us by sending his own son. That's what I was trying to say. And Jesus came in his own, he, he, he brought his body down here. He was born like us and honored us. And do you remember what we had done at that point to earn that? Nothing. In fact, the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not, not conditional upon that we repented and then he died for us. 
says that, that God was in Christ reconciling man back to himself by not counting their sins against them. So here he leads with love every time. And, and here's, where, here's where I feel like we get caught up. We understand these things kind of peripherally. But when it comes down to the reality of it, when your dad leaves your mom, we forget about how real this is. I forgot about how real this, this is. And the, and, the, and the challenge that I had was, is it okay for me to forgive him? Do you, do you, are you with me? Is it okay? Am I allowed to forgive? Because I feel like actually, now I wasn't doing the math until my daughter prayed for me and, and God opened my eyes and I realized that the equation that I was working on, I was being taken advantage of. Are you guys, you guys making... I, I, the justice part of me was having a hard time with forgiving because I actually thought that if I, if I forgave my dad and treated him right, treated him well, treated him the way that God wants him to be treated, treated him the way that God wants me to be treated, right? That I was actually becoming guilty of saying what you're doing is okay. Who here understands what I'm talking about? So it's like, it's like we're in these positions and somebody hurts us. And, they, and, and you know what? It may have been like maybe they're completely guilty. Maybe it's not just a misunderstanding. Most times it is actually an misunderstanding. I just want to say that. Within the interpersonal stuff, it's almost always communication. I, I'm serious. It's almost always communication. We'll get to that in a minute. But when it isn't, when it's just straight up, good old-fashioned, I was a jerk face to you. And, and we can't, we feel like if I forgive you and if I start treating you as awesome as you actually are, you're going to think your behavior is okay. And so I can't forgive you yet. I will as soon as you come to me and repent and read me your little report that I'm going to make you right so that I'm convinced that you did in point of fact actually repent and you understand your transgressions. At that point, I will then extend to you the honor of my forgiveness. Except for that that doesn't work. And that never happens. Have I lost you completely? And so, when my daughter, Mercy, come on, there's a prophetic picture for you, <laughs> comes over and lays her hand on my leg and says, Lord, Mercy prays for me and says, Help my daddy to be kind and be kind and be kind and be kind. Then he opened my eyes up. My father opened my eyes up and said, you can forgive your dad. You have permission. You have permission to forgive your dad. And that's the, that's the, that's the message today. You have permission to forgive those that have hurt you. You have permission. It doesn't mean you're now culpable to say that their behavior was okay. It... It did hurt you. You're hurt. But if you will forgive, mercy says it will restore the standard and your heart will be set free. I was praying this morning. Do you ever have a message sometimes that I swear English or whatever language it is that you speak just has no power to actually convey? Like I'm trusting Holy Spirit is doing some stuff right now. Because I've actually spoken this message before and it was a lot better. <laughs> I, wish, I wish I was joking. Um, 
I was praying this morning, and as I was praying, I realized that the same year that God gave me this revelation of mercy, from, from mercy, through mercy, was the same year that I finally got free from being absolutely demonized from the time that I was like five years old until that year. And I never saw the connection until this morning. I get it. And you don't understand. I don't, some of you do understand. But I lived in torment. There wasn't a day that went by that I didn't have to deal with either depression or murderous thoughts or lust or self-hatred or anger. And I managed those things as best that I could, but they were killing me. And I became an alcoholic, and I was, I was doing the best that I could, and I repented all the time, and shame and rejection, they owned me. And I had God, and he got me through somehow. But those things, they, they owned me. They owned a lot of real estate. Luckily, Dad owned me completely and didn't let me off myself or anyone else. And they had absolute access to my life because I was filled with unforgiveness for my father because I was angry about him leaving my mom, but he was never faithful to my mom in the first place, and he was never faithful to us either because he was ridiculously demonized, and he was ridiculously addicted to alcohol and marijuana and other women and, and then workaholism and all of his own things, all of which I vowed I would never be and all of which I then ended up with. And then mercy came and tugged on my pants and said, Lord, help this man to be kind to the one who owes him a father. And help him to be kind to the one who he can't forgive. And the Holy Spirit gave me the gift of forgiveness right then. I wasn't able to forgive until he gave it to me. And he gave me permission to use it. And then in that moment, I was able to forgive. And then you know what happened? Those tormentors, those tormentors, those torturers that I had been given over to, I gave myself over to because I demanded justice and I couldn't afford it. I demanded justice from those that hurt me, which means that I have to be able to give justice. It means that justice is demanded of me. And you know what? We can't afford it. We haven't been given justice. We've been given mercy. And Jesus has been given justice. His body was torn. He was the one who came. It wasn't some act that he came in and said, well, I'm God and therefore I pardon thee. Well, then he's unjust because who's going to pay for the murder? And who's going to pay for the hurt? And who's going to pay? And then, there, and then not to mention that if he goes, I pardon thee, death still has its sting. There's no resurrected body then. There's no hope for us to receive a resurrected body. There's no transformation. No, Jesus came as a man and he worked out actual justice as an innocent man who died in my place. Do you see how important this is? So, so when I want to say, give me justice, 
Well, then I have to pay what Christ did. And it's 60 million days of labor plus infinity because I can't deal with the problem of death. I can't deal with the problem of the breach between God and I because of sin. I can't fix that. Jesus fixed that. And so I can only come through mercy. And then I must extend that same mercy. Or else I hand myself over to the torturers. And I'd lived there my whole life. And when I forgave my dad, and it was, it was onions. Forgiveness is an onion. There are layers. I forgive my dad for leaving my mom. Do you know what it meant when he left my mom? I have abandonment issues. I don't trust father figures. Oh, I forgive my dad for giving me abandonment issues and I'm making it so I don't trust father figures. Wait a minute. Do you realize all that? You know, so there's layers. And that's okay. It doesn't mean you didn't forgive. It means you're now forgiving at a deeper level. Who's tracking here? Who needs to realize forgiveness has layers? You're not losing ground. You're gaining ground. It's just another layer. The enemy has used our own zeal and desire for justice, which is God-given, to cause us to feel like it's not okay for us to forgive those who have hurt us. Because if we simply forgive like Jesus did, then we'll be enabling them to keep hurting other people. But if you read Matthew 18, God prefaces this entire message with how to win your brother back. So there's nothing in there about enabling your brother. You simply humble yourself and you go to them and you say, you're powerful and I was near you and your power hurt me and I'm hurt. Kind of embarrassed to have to say that, but it's just true. Trusting my heart to you because you're important. So, ouch. Did you mean to? Most times they'll say, oh my gosh, I didn't even mean to do that. I am, will you forgive me? I didn't, I didn't even know that I did that. But if you come humbly, it's really easy to work it through. If you come in with your big message, I'm just really, you know, this hurt me. But here's the thing. I'm glad that this happened on some level, though I haven't talked to you in months. But I think it serves to be a good lesson to you for everyone else. And here's the things that I've prepared to teach you from how you hurt me so that you'll never hurt anyone else ever again. That's just you trying to manipulate them and not being honest about your own pain. Now, there may be a message in it for any other person because none of us want to hurt anybody else. But don't confuse you coming humbly as a child with your wound, with you now having a platform to tell them how they need to live the rest of their life so that you and everyone else never gets hurt again. The mechanism is forgiveness. It's the hallmark of the kingdom. It's the only place you can find it. Unbelievable, true forgiveness. And you have permission to forgive. Have I muddied the water or are we okay? What I want to do right now 
is I want to make room for the fact that I, I believe, to some extent, I actually believe everyone in this house has somebody you need to forgive. I think you have pending files. It's like, oh, I'm going to forgive. Pending. Let's put a pin in that one. They still, the Lord needs to teach them a couple of things. And uh, I'll get back. I mean, I'm going to. It's not that I'm not, I'm not actively not forgiving them. I'm on my way to forgiving them. No, that's a lie. You're walking in unforgiveness. And I, I believe that today, Holy Spirit wants to bring those things up. And by virtue of this word, I believe Holy Spirit is able to transcend the limitations on what I've shared. But I believe, I believe he's getting through. And he's able to tell you as mercy did. You know, honestly, here's my message. Father, help my family to be kind and be kind and be kind and be kind and be kind. Father, tell them that if they forgive, it doesn't mean they're agreeing with evil. It means they're overcoming it. Father, tell them that if they'll forgive, then the torturers will get fired from their lives and they'll finally start getting free from arthritis and ulcers and high blood pressure and bitterness and depression and anger and fantasy and alcoholism and pornography and lust and fear and shame and every other torturer that has come to make them pay till they've paid every last cent of what they owe. Lord, we can't afford it. And so we just beg you for mercy and we forgive everyone else just like you forgave us. I want to ask the prayer servant team to come up and Robert and Wendy, would you guys come up and uh, I just, I, want, I don't want to get super loud here. Um, I want to make room for Holy Spirit to do a deep work in us. You don't have to conjure it up. Holy Spirit's already bringing it to mind. You know, Red brought up something good. How do I know that I forgave that person? Well, when you see them, you don't go, oh. <laughs> when you see them walking down the grocery store, you don't go to the next aisle and walk down. That means you've, you've forgiven. Now, there may be many layers to forgiving. It's okay if when you see them, you go, oh, and you can go, oh, I forgive them again, Lord. And then pretty soon you go, how you doing? I feel like I want to say one thing as you're preparing your hearts because this is my daddy that I'm talking about and my earthly one. And I did forgive him and we've had sweet talks and he's repented to my mom and he's repented to every one of my brothers and sisters and though they're not remarried and probably never will be, we're a family and we laugh together and we have Thanksgiving together every year and you know, just the other day, I needed... I needed to hear from my dad. I was having a hard day and I called up my dad and I said, hey dad, how's it going? And he said, good. He said, I've been thinking of you, son. I've been praying for you. What's going on? And I said, you know, I'm just under a lot of pressure right now. And he said, well, one thing I know, son, I know you're gonna be all right. I'm so proud of who you are and I'm gonna keep praying for you. But this I know, you have what it takes. And here's what else he said to me. You know, son, you've always done such courageous things. You've done things I never had the courage to do, and I'm so proud of you. And I'll tell you something. There's only one person that can say that to me like that and that, that matters like that. That's my dad. 
So I want you to realize that's the man who he is now. But you know how that road got built? I believe my dad started getting free in a large way when I forgave him. Now, my other brothers and sisters have forgiven him too, but I had a part in that because he's gotten massive freedom and he's gotten rid of some critters. And I don't have time to talk to you about what his dad did to him that he never did to us. So even his ceiling was way better. He never beat us. He never made fun of us when we were learning to walk. He never threatened us, never laid a finger on us. So he changed his atmosphere too. I just want to honor him because I shared a dark part of his life. And, I, and I'm, I'm not going to stand here and let anybody look down on my dad because I've extended mercy. So I want you to do the same, amen? amen? All right, so Holy Spirit, I want to ask you to come right now. And even as we begin to just allow our self to be open before you, I just release over you in the name of Jesus, my beautiful family, that you have permission to forgive because your mercy will teach the greatest lesson for there to be any hope of change in that person's life. You have permission to forgive because it's kindness that leads to repentance. You have a responsibility to forgive because your father forgave. And there is no other way to reconciliation. And there is no other way to freedom. You have the freedom to give because he's extended mercy and is forgiving even in you now. And you can simply agree with him. If you don't have the strength to forgive right now, then let, by virtue of the Holy Spirit, let mercy tug on your pants. And say, be kind, and be kind, and be kind. Just like it's his kindness that leads to repentance. It's his kindness that leads to repentance. They can never repay what they owe you just like you can never repay what you owe God. Grace. Grace. I want you to just, if you need prayer, if you need someone to just help you push through this, come get prayer. The prayer servant team is fantastic. or just do business right there where you are. But don't leave this house until you've forgiven. Because none of us can afford to pay what we owe. Maybe you're here today and you realize that you actually haven't even received entrance into the kingdom yet. You're hearing about this Jesus who gave his whole life. And you're like, Father, if that's what you're like, I want into that kingdom. <laughs> if you're the God that leads to repentance through kindness, you can be my daddy. And if today that's you, I want you to come up and talk with anyone on the servant team because they would be more than glad to make a formal introduction between you and your father. He's very excited. You're already sensing his love. I put you into the father's hands. You're safe there.
Terry just came up and it's just absolutely good word. He said, you know, one of the key people who need to be forgiven for many of you is yourself. You need to forgive yourself. You need to quit holding yourself responsible for things you've repented of and trying to make yourself learn a valuable lesson and somehow earn or pay and, and figure it out. You have to extend mercy to yourself. Only God can bring about that transformation and giving yourself over to be tortured until you've learned a valuable lesson, that's not God's plan. He's not requiring that of you. So put that into the equation. I think, I think most of us would agree that there's that level of saying, I have to forgive myself. I can't hate myself and love myself at the same time. And he loves you. If, if you're somebody that's had to work through that, I, I just want to encourage, um, take advantage of the prayer servant team on that one because I want you to receive a blessing today. I don't want you to leave. If you've been working through that, come forward. I'm going to be up here with the prayer servant team as well, but we want to agree with God to say, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Don't try to pay for something Jesus paid for. Him. <laughs>